Richard Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Virtual Reality Church. Welcome to our virtual church. Is there some type of way for a virtual congregation? You're not a congregation if you don't congregate. When you combine this access with the loss of the local, I become my own confession and I go around the World Wide Web listening for echoes that say back to me what I've already decided to believe. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away it's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Can't tell you how in Encourage, that's right, I said encourage we are when you press the send button with questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, sermon stories, articles, anything wretched to idea at wretched.org. I'm telling you, it just encourages us that you would take a calories worth of effort to consider us and send whatever you think might be important for Christians to discuss idea at wretched.org. Please keep the encouragement coming. And the corrections. Did you say corrections? Yes. Did uh, you thank them for corrections? Are you correcting me for not saying corrections? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm encouraged by those too. Yeah. Because that doing a study right now on the body, not, not the human body, I'm talking about the church body, and how we are supposed to be interacting with one another, this corporate thing we call the local church, and the emphasis is on the body and serving and being involved. And if you can teach, teach. If you can exhort, exhort. If you have the gift of discernment, discern. If you have the gift of gifts, in other words, you can provide finances or what land or computers, whatever. Do that generously. We do that for one another. And one of the one another's is that we do indeed rebuke one another. And we're not loving the Lord. We're not loving one another when we don't correct. Now, this is not our 24-7 task, although I could I could perform that function for you happily, fleshly. But we are to, when needed, when it rises to a particular level, we are to lovingly correct one another. So, yes, Keep those coming to ideaatwretched.org. All right. We start with Jared. Uh, hi, Todd. I have uh, three younger brothers who were raised under the influence of a Christian parents and have sent underneath sound teaching, but totally reject Christ. Mm-hmm. Are there any verses that indicate these people will be thinking of the many opportunities they had to respond to the gospel while they suffer in hell? Yeah, that's, I, I think that we have to extrapolate it from what people are going to be experiencing there. How could, remember, when we enter eternity, it is not like we become equipment. We're we're not going to become AI that has been programmed with some things, some memories or facts erased. They're going to remember everything just like we'll remember what we remember. And there's a reason for that. In heaven, we will indeed remember our sins. And you say, but that'll make me cry. No, it won't. It'll make you rejoice that Jesus forgave you for that too. If we never remember our sins, we are not going to appreciate our Savior as much. Similarly, those people who are in hell, 
they're going to remember that they heard the gospel. They're going to remember their parents and their teeth will gnash and they will weep over the squandered opportunity to respond to the gospel. They will spend eternity mourning the fact that they rejected such a great salvation. What should you do about it as a sibling? You keep praying for your brothers and sisters. You keep loving them, even though they're rejecting your Savior. And you keep teaching them as you can. Don't don't make fighting over Jesus the centerpiece of your religion. Just keep loving them as a brother and sister, biological brother and sister, in hopes that you will win them to becoming a spiritual brother and sister. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This is Kyla. Todd, uh, I want to be honest. I don't really like to read my Bible, mm. but I do spend hours listening to expository teachings mm-hmm. at work, driving in the car, working out at home on YouTube. Can this be the same as renewing my mind? Yes. Yes, because you're getting the word downloaded. You're getting the word extrapolated and exposited. So, yes, it is. This actually describes a fair amount of people Does that mean if it is true, and I think it is, that your mind can be renewed as you hear the word proclaimed and opened for you versus reading the word? I I, I don't I, I think you can be fed that way, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be reading our Bible. I think we need to remember historically, a lot of people, they never even had access to a Bible. And so they would hear stories or they would hear teaching, but they didn't get the Bible read. They didn't have the Bible. You and I find that hard to imagine. And we just, which which version do I want? By the way, uh, Jimmy, what's the name of the Bible? Uh, gate, Bible, gate, one of the, one of the websites. I think Gateway. it's Bible Gate, Gateway. Yeah, yeah, Bible Gateway. Yeah. I think they dropped the Passion Translation, which isn't a translation at all. <laughs> But we've got such a variety, don't we? Yes. And in, in England, early 1500s, they were without Bibles. It took William Tyndale, getting burned at the stake to boot, to bring the Bible into the vernacular of the peasantry so that they could read the word. So I'm not going to tell you it's a sin if you don't read your Bible, if you're listening to Bible sermons. But start working. Try. Don't just give up on the task. Figure out a way where you can consume it because it is different hearing the preaching of the Word God and interacting with the Word of God with your own eyes and your own mind and trying to figure out a passage and thinking on it and memorizing Bible verses. So figure out how you can. You can listen to it. That's fine, too. You're hearing it read. Groovy. I would even suggest, for instance, if you really struggle, and there are people who struggle with reading, I, 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 lots of folks, the Matthew Visual Bible, go. it's four hours and 40 minutes. You can watch it on YouTube for free. It is word for word, the math, book of Matthew. You can watch it. You can hear it. But keep trying to read it. Figure out a system. We've talked about this many times here. Figure out a system that works for you. Sometimes we stumble over reading the Bible because it's become so familiar. Yeah, I've read the story before and I just, I'm not really getting any. Then read it in a new way. Not that you come up with a new interpretation, but that you just read it structurally differently. What are you interested in? Right now, I'm studying the local church. Why? Maybe I haven't mentioned that we're looking at a church plant in northern Atlanta. 
it might not be too late for you to join us <laughs> for that meeting Saturday afternoon. You can send an email to dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org because I'm interested in the local church at the moment. Well, I'm always interested in it, but I'm hyper interested because we're looking at planting one. So I'm reading through the book of Acts, looking for all of the references to the word church. So I do jump to Matthew 16, and Jesus talking about building his church. I do consider the Great Commission. I do consider Acts chapter 1. I do consider that Paul was persecuting the church. I do take a look at what Antioch, and I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm reading my Bible with a great deal of interest because I'm particularly interested in this subject at this time. No, I'm not reading straight through a book. I'm reading on a subject that I want to learn more about. Figure out what you're interested in. Figure out what emotional need you have and go let the Bible fill your brain with the information you need to affect your feelings. So don't quit. Keep listening to sermons. Rock on. But don't, but don't ex- excuse Bible reading saying, I don't have to. I don't know that I could go so far as to say I have to if you're listening to genuine expository sermons because you are hearing the Bible read. Hopefully they read the text and open it up. But I think we should be pursuing consuming the honey of the word of God. And we should be thanking God every time we crack open that book that we actually have one. Idea at wretched.org. All righty. This comes from Travis. Dear Mr. Frio. Something's been weighing on me lately, and the fact that I have a significant amount of mental health coverage with my employer's health insurance, but biblical counselors aren't covered. Right. I don't have much flexibility to pay out of the pocket at the moment, so do you have any thoughts on how to go about making that work? Yes, just go to biblicalcounseling.com and find a biblical counselor who doesn't charge anything. There's thousands of them. (laughs) Furthermore, in your local church, this is... I believe one of the best trends in evangelical Christianity, and we are a trendy group. I was thinking, what was the trend I was thinking of the other day that was like, oh, wow, how I forgot about that one. There are so many, hey, this is the coolest thing. Hey, get this ring, get that bracelet. Here's a poster. There's a book. There's a prayer. What would Jesus do? Uh, I that, that wasn't a terrible no, no. question to ask by any means, but it's just gazillions of these trends. Biblical counseling, I hope it's not a trend. It should be the norm where we counsel one another, that we get trained to equip, we to help people, to apply the Bible to their lives. If you haven't been informed of this or experienced this, the church is filled with genuinely needy people. And I don't mean they're like, I just want some stuff. I'm, I'm saying that they're they're hurting, they're broken. We all are, aren't we? Let's help put one another back together again. Get equipped to train people in biblical counseling is one of the biggest blessings you can give to your church. And you can do it for free because, you know, that's kind of the way the local church is. Did I mention we're having a local church plant? investigative meeting on Saturday and you could possibly attend if you send an email to dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org I did this is Wretched Radio ah some good news two encouragements from the tomorrow clubs they have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in eastern Europe but now they've expanded to Africa 
And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today and every day. We are so grateful for you when you consume the content we push out. That's the way this works. We create the content, you consume the content. But hey, listen, we need help creating and producing the content because we want to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we're asking you to take the next step in our relationship and prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Our production like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and Transform are compelling, they're efficient, and most importantly, they are biblically sound. And that's why we're asking for your continued prayerful and financial support. And becoming a gospel partner is probably going to be the simplest thing you'll do today. All you have to do, visit wretched.org slash donate. That's it. Or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Know your reformers. Jan Hus, a Czech priest, was inspired by the writings of John Wycliffe to preach against papal access and false doctrines such as transubstantiation. Even as he was burned at the stake by the Catholic Church, he continued to preach the gospel and sing the psalms. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thought of a Bible verse. Right after Jimmy mentioned it to me during the break. This is Wretched Radio. The question was asked specifically, are there any Bible verses that indicate that individuals in hell will resent the fact and be remorseful over the fact that they didn't respond to the good news of the gospel? And I said, you have to extrapolate it from the Bible, tried to make that case. Jimmy brought up the rich man and Lazarus, which might not even be a parable. Why? Because every other parable talks about a father. There was a son. There was a father. There was a a generic descriptor. 
Lazarus died. Whoa. Jesus might not, might not have been sharing a parable because of the details. A conversation between a rich man who is in hell with Father Abraham. Hey, could I have just a drop of water? Could you please send somebody from there to go to earth to tell my brothers and sisters, don't come to my place? I think that's a pretty good text to say that people who are in hell, oh, they're going to remember what they neglected. And they will rue the day. If the rich man didn't, he'd be like, don't buy my brothers. Let him come here. It's it's just it's just going to be fine. Glad I thought of that first. Please keep sending stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Jeff, who uh, says, Todd, a friend and I were recently uh, discussing the Lord's goodness, grace, compassion. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Did he get the wrong show? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Whatever. Liberals. <laughs> Go ahead. We were recently discussing the Lord's goodness, grace, and compassion toward us in regard to repentance. Then my friend came up with an interesting question. What would repentance look like in the life of someone who might have been a Mormon with two wives who then mm. gets saved? What do, you, what do you do with it? Yeah, that's... There's different variations on this missionary theme. Uh, the missionary goes to Boingo Boingo, brings the gospel, the guy who's married to 16 women. Now what does he do? He made a vow. Must he keep it? And I think that overall, it's that, that was a big that was a big issue when missionary activity began. I think it's been settled for the most part. The vows that were made after his verse vow were not affirmed by God in heaven because he had no authority. Those were sins. Those weren't. Those weren't. Those were sins that he committed. And so his vow that God endorses and affirms is to his first wife, he should keep that vow and be exclusively romantic with her. But you say, whoa, what about the 15 women left behind? I say he's responsible for taking care of them and providing for them. And if there are children involved from them, he's on the line. for. He was on the line when he was a pagan. He should be responsible afterwards. So I think the same thing is true for the polygamous state of some Mormon cults that would suggest that they've got. What is that guy that's on TV? Is that still going on that show that what, what, there's a guy who's a Mormon? He lives out in the sticks of Utah. I don't get Jeff Sir. I, I, I don't know what the guy's name. He's married to a bunch. of. Uh, uh, wait. It's like on TLC, the Something Wives. Oh, the Sister Wives. That's the one right yeah, there. I've yeah, never no, watched that, it, though. No, you don't have wives. You have a wife. The other ones were sinful vows to God that that need to be, I believe they need to be honored, but that doesn't mean that you're married to them. That's my take. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Aiden. Todd, I recently become a born-again Christian, uh, but I've lived in a Christian household my entire life. I'm 15 years old uh, now, but was baptized as a baby. I think no, I, you weren't. Sorry, I, keep going. That's the question. I think I need to be baptized as a real Christian, but I'm not sure how to tell my dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's going to be a little bit of a tricky one. This And this gets really, it's so important, young man, that you talk to your pastor about that. If you have a pastor that believes correctly in believer's baptism, hello, my Presbyterian friends, talk to him so that he can work with your dad too, because you're still under pop's authority. 
and you want to honor that, but you are commanded to get baptized as a believer. To not obey that commandment is to sin, and that is why even when authority that is near and dear to you as your father forbids you from obeying a command, you have to obey your heavenly father and get baptized. And you really do well to work with somebody locally who can guide you through that. There's so many considerations. You want to be wise, but you do want to be obedient. And if I could do a general shout out, we have not been putting enough emphasis on believers baptism. I don't know what has happened to us as evangelicals. Uh, we, we just seemingly stop saying, get into the jacuzzi and get dunked. You're a believer. Obey. You said you repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Have you been baptized? It doesn't save, but it is the first commandment. And there was always an urgency about it in the book of Acts. Always. Immediately they got baptized. Consider the Ethiopian eunuch. He where's the there's some water. What's keeping me from being dunked in the water? So clearly they had a conversation about baptism. And he wanted to be obedient, and you should be too. So get her done, believer. And then send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Brad. Todd, recently in witnessing encounters, I've noticed a lot of people don't seem to be afraid of death. Hmm. One person even told me they were afraid of the dying process, but not death itself. Yeah. Have you yeah. witnessed this uptick? You know, I, no, I, I haven't. And even if I had, I would have to conclude they they may not be consciously lying but they're not telling the truth because perhaps they haven't thought it through or they're just trying to put on some bravado or that is their mental mechanism to not be terrified at taking their last breath. And I say that based on Hebrews 4, is it verse 12, that man has a fear of everybody has a fear of death. And so if somebody says, no, I don't, either the Bible is lying or they are. I'm going to say they are. Idea at wretched.org. All right, Todd, if you can remember this, recently you mentioned a book that Mrs. Friel was reading about clocks and how time yes. has changed us. Yeah, yeah. Can you share the title of that book? Well, you know, do I have to do everything around here? <laughs> oh, she was reading it last night. I could see it in the chair. Ah, we were reading by the fireplace because apparently we moved back to Minnesota. I don't know what's going on in the South, but feels like we're in a meat locker again. Yes, but I'll keep the surprise until I can ask her until we announce it here on the program. Ah, I'll get it for you. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Zach. See, I'm the fruit. Of a rewired brain. Yes, you are. By the way, but the book that she's reading, I think is a number of years old. Increasingly, if you do some Google searching for the effect of social media on the brain, an increasing number of even secular psychologists, uh, it's, it's so funny how they... They're trying to find a third way. So many of the secularists, hey, let's just not cut off technology because it's making our kids suicidal. <laughs> I got to tell you, it, it's not nobody can tell you as a parent, you got to cut your kid off from this. No, nobody can say you're sinning if you don't. But I think the case is increasingly being made that you should consider it, mom and dad. You should consider it because you are being undermined constantly. Consider your kid's behavior with electronics. They should have their Bible 
at their nightstand that when they wake up, they grab it first thing in the morning, but they grab their cell phone. It should be the last thing that they read at the end of the day, some psalms, something something that encourages them that God will keep them safe throughout the night. But no TikTok videos and all of the messages. Okay, most of the messages they consume aren't affirming your authority. They aren't encouraging your kids to submit, to honor father and mother. Just the opposite. They are telling them you are idiots. And the school system affirms that when they keep secrets from mom and dad. Hey, if you've got parents that don't affirm your new identity, talk to us. Our little secret. Why? Because parents are bad. You can't win against that. You can't. And I've seen this enough times that... I, I could probably just, Todd Barna's study says that kids in Christian homes, as good of a job as a mom and dad do, that you, you're being overwhelmed and undermined perpetually by social media. You are, everything you say to them is being told to them in the opposite package 10 times and twice as loud. Mom and dad, you're up against it. I'll try to, I'll, I'll go grab the name of that book and, 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 and tell you what that is, but you can Google and find even more recent secular psychological studies. It's all 2012. Everything is 2000. I just read one, I think, last night when I should have been paying attention to what book my wife was reading, that basically 2012, when 90 some percent of teenagers suddenly started looking at social media every single day and up to seven hours a day is the average for a teenager. Zoink, Scoob. Boom. Depression, anxiety, suicide, all of the maladies that go with a secular worldview. What changed in our country? It's undeniable. It was the advent of social media. Mom and dad, can't tell you. You got to do this or that, but please wrestle with it. This is Wretched Radio. Now it's time for a Wretched News Break on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks. Well, we start with a heartwarming story that comes out of Kansas because the legislature there has chosen to stand up for the smallest and most vulnerable among us. They've overridden Governor Laura Kelly's veto and passed a pro-life law that protects babies from infanticide. In a world where the sanctity of life seems to be slipping through the cracks at every single turn, it's breath fresh air to see things like this when they happen. In other news, the CDC has released data showing a record number of teens identifying as LGBT in 2021. No, get out of here. I mean, it's the new trend, right? Folks used to wear flared jeans and Tamagotchis. You remember when that was all the rage? Well, now it's just identifying yourself as a member of the alphabet. And now the ever-expanding world of big tech. Have you noticed how the companies are becoming more powerful than actual countries? It's no longer about connecting with friends and buying the latest gadgets. No, these companies, these behemoths, are influencing politics, economies, and even entire cultures. Heading north, we see that live birth abortions are up. It's on the rise. And sadly, the disturbing trend is making its way to Ireland as well. In church news, hundreds of congregations are continuing still almost every day to leave the United Methodist Congregation at regional conferences. And the mass exodus is a reminder to all of us that when a denomination strays from the foundation teachings of Scripture, the faithful will continue to seek a church that remains true to God's Word. Let's continue praying for all of our Methodist brothers and sisters. 
Well, switching gears, Brittany Griner, you know who I'm talking about. She thinks it's a crime to stop biological males from competing against women. Okay, let's entertain that for just a moment. I wonder what Miss Griner thinks should happen to someone who violates what she calls a crime. That's an interesting thing to ponder, Miss Griner. Lastly, we have a Minnesota trans lawmaker who wants to remove the anti-pedophile clause from the human rights statute. <sighs> Thankfully, her colleagues disagree. And that puts a wrap on your Wretched News Break and your Wretched News Week. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Yo. Books of the Bible. The book of Judges covers Israel's history from the death of Joshua to just before the reign of King Saul. The reoccurring phrase is, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When Israel rebelled, God allowed their enemies to triumph. But when Israel cried out to God, he raised up a deliverer. God is faithful even when his people are not. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The Shallows. The name of the book is The Shallows. This is Wretched Radio. Looking at the email that was sent to me by my wife, the book that describes the effect of the Internet on our brains is called The Shallows. What the Internet is doing to our brains, it's by Nicholas Carr. It is dated. There's updated research to support the premise of Nicholas Carr that our brains are indeed being reformed. Now, the effects on adults might be less. Now, there could be some that are more vulnerable to the effects of social media, but on kids, those under the age of 25, because their brains are still being wired, they are not fully formed until the age of 25. Some say 22, 25. The point is, if your 12-year-old is using social media a lot, then social media is wiring your kid's brain. Not you. Check it out wherever your favorite book products are. Hey, Jimmy, I've got another email here. Okay. Look at, it's from our friends at MediShare. Oh, How yeah. providential is that? It's extremely. If you are struggling with the whole health insurance business and you would love an alternative where you can sleep at night, I would commend MediShare to you. It is affordable biblical health sharing. You will save money per month. I, I Okay. Has there ever in the history of somebody been anybody who maybe didn't save on average $500 a month with MediShare? Maybe. <laughs> but if you call them at 844-34-BIBLE, it'll take two minutes and they'll tell you what it will be per month for you and your family to sleep well at night because you know that Christians will be supporting you as you deal with health care issues. You can learn more at MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched. Jimmy. Yes. I got another email here. You do? Yep. Apparently, the big news these days is that there is a famous guy on Talk Radio World who's getting a divorce. Oh. You probably know who it is, but I'm not going to mention the name because I almost see divorce as a death. It's the death of a marriage, and it's something so profound. I don't think that immediately diagnosing who's saved and who isn't in the relationship is probably very beneficial, wise, or even reasonable. Let's just be bummed about it. Anytime somebody, 
We get bummed about anybody who gets divorced. It's not good. There's usually kids involved. And they are going to be scarred. Yeah, they heal. It was having an interesting conversation with the resiliency of children with a friend of mine. So, you know, they just say just they can bounce back the kids. And sometimes they don't remember stuff. And yeah, that is true. But that doesn't mean it doesn't form, shape, mold a child. What are you laughing at? You remember who you had that conversation with? A friend. <laughs> that was me <laughs> in my office yesterday. You know what I think I need, Jimmy? What's that? I shall walk a good duck. That's what you need. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even get the joke. I was kidding when I sent that to you last night. Oh, really? What? Okay, what's the name of this magic pill you're taking that supposedly helps your memory? You just said it. No, no, no. no. Come on. (laughs) Come on, smart guy. You're taking it. (laughs) I know it, but I don't know how to say it. I shall want a gunda. I I just want to remember. Juice. Something. (laughs) So last night I sent him a text that said, I can't remember the name of that vitamin, but I don't think I need it. (laughs) I get it now. And then you had to scold me. Well, if you can't remember it, maybe that does show you need it. (laughs) Well, if you can't identify a joke, maybe that tells you you need to get out more. I'm sorry. Or take more asha, gasha, gusha, gusha, wana, wana (laughs) thing for the memory deal. Let's let's not. So I was talking. Well, let me take that back. I was talking to this guy. (laughs) about. Was that with you? It was. I actually thought it was Dan. No. (laughs) (laughs) Look. You suffer from short-term memory, too. And please note this. I am going to do you a favor, young person. You are going to thank me if you remember this. When you get older, what's going to start to happen is you're going to forget things. And then you're going to panic. Now, here's the only difference between 50, 60-year-old you and 20-year-old you. You forget stuff now. You just don't panic about it. Not many 20-year-olds go, oh, I was talking to a, oh, what's a, a, Oh, boy, I think I'm going senile here. Nobody, you don't talk like that then. Maybe you don't need to talk like that when you get into your 60s and 70s. We all forget. It's not a sign that you are losing it. But apparently, if you are, asha, washa, gasha, gasha, hasha, masha, <laughs> is it. very good for you. <laughs> I See, I agree with you that kids, they do bounce back. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they bounce as high or as straight. Because it, it traumatic events, it's unfortunate that PTSD is so overused and it happens to be overused in just one territory, and that is military. People can be traumatized in virtually every realm, not the least of which is the home. When you got yourself bad or abusive parents, neglectful parents, oof. Yeah, you 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 got you made it through the rain. You kept your world protected. You made it through the rain. And found yourself defected? How does that song go? Something like, you're a country guy. You wouldn't know. Who sang? Was that? Oh, no. Was that a Barry Manilow song? Did I just quote a Barry Manilow song? I hope not. Um, Jimmy, how much time do we have left in this segment? Because I'm just wondering how quickly I can go to the internet to register for a new man card. (laughs) How much time? How much time are we talking about here? A little bit. That I got to live with myself. (laughs) So... Kids bounce back is the moral of the story, but it doesn't mean they don't get dinged. And the children of divorce get dinged. Speculating on this high-profile talk show host who's getting a divorce. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll talk about the stuff he talks about, 
But private life stuff, a divorce, no doubt acrimonious. Is there ever a blissful? I love these Hollywood divorces. We remain the best of friends, having made the mutual decision for the benefit of one another and our children. Hmm. So if you're still best friends, why are you getting divorced? It's always acrimonious. It's always painful. It's always awful. We should just consider timing before we comment. Please. Send whatever email to idea at wretched.org. All right. Speaking of children, this one comes from Derek. Todd, how should we approach young children who make professions of faith? I don't want to hinder them. You you added that part. I did not. Because that's Justin Peter's book. That's true. I Go read that book. Uh-huh. It's it's a it's a real it's it's not super pithy, but it's pretty pithy on the subject of your child's confession of faith. You don't want to hinder them. You don't want to, no, no, you're not getting baptized because I'm not sure you're a believer. Hold the phone. You might not want to let him get baptized, but you got to be really thoughtful about how you communicate that information. Justin Peter's book, Hinder, Do Not Hinder the Children. Hinder Them Not. Hin- hinder Them Not. Is he a KJV only guy? I don't think so. I had no idea. <laughs> Hinder them not, it will walk you through that. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Anonymous. It's Sir Frill, does God really, I mean, does God really send people to hell who have never heard of Jesus Christ? Well, that's, I, let me, can I, do I have the liberty to ask a different question? Yeah, sure. Does God really send people to hell who have crimes committed against them on their rap sheet that have not been absolved by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Of course he does. Now you say, but wait a second, they haven't had a chance. And I say, actually, they have. God is a 24-7 preacher. Ironic, I would say 24-7, because that's the time it took to create the world. And he uses creation to speak every day. The creation speaks without saying a word. God exists. And this is generally what he's like. Furthermore, you have a conscience. That little voice in your head that goes, that ain't right. You're in big trouble. This this ain't going away. You're going to have to deal with this when you die. Furthermore, Romans chapter 1, everybody knows God exists. Everybody, including Richard Dawkins. He knows it. They just suppress it. And so everybody is held accountable because God has been preaching to everybody all the time. And 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 one other thing that 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 I think that we we need to remember about this question, it is clearly a shot directly at the character and nature of God that somehow we human beings have determined maybe he's not as fair as he claims he is. Oof. We can wrangle with this question. I get it. It is a tough one. It is emotionally charged. I get it. But let's be careful. When we ask and answer that question, we aren't taking a shot at our sovereign. Idea at wretched.org. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> Hurry up, man. I got to go get my new man card. Do you remember the name of this uh, the song you recently played? I made it through the rain. Is that the one? No, no. <laughs> we, this question is uh, asking about the, the really good song. Rescue the Perishing. That's it. That was Billy and Cindy Foote. Hmm. That was original. I think that might have been a Fanny Crosby tune originally. But they added, I think, you know, a chord. They kind of Chris Tomlin did it. In a range, though, that we could actually 
sing. It's called Rescue the Parachute. You can probably find it on the YouTube machine. It's uh, it's one of my favorites because it's a song that's convicting. Church, open your eyes once more. See what Christ died for. That is our mission. And if you'll excuse me for a second, I've got some business to do on the internet. This is Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. All right, listen up, parents and married couples. We know better than anyone that there can be times of uneasiness in our homes. Well, if you're ready to revitalize and make a transformation in your family life, then I want to point you in the direction of Wretched.org for a new deal so good, you're going to think it came straight down from heaven. I'm talking about the Joy in the Home bundle. In the bundle, you're going to find the Drive-By Marriage audio series, the Drive-By Marriage study guide, the Drive-By Parenting audio series, and study guide and last but certainly not least reset for parents now understand this isn't a magical potion that's going to make everyone in your home behave but it's the next best thing so what are you waiting for hurry up head over to wretched.org right now and jump on the path that's going to help you bring joy back into your home don't miss out it's wretched.org it's the joy in the home bundle on sale right now trust me you'll be thanking us later You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? wretched.org slash Bible. Names of God We learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. A good shepherd protects, directs, provides, and cares for his sheep. Jesus called Himself the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Ah, wretched. 
this Todd Frail Where did taking you? your calls 187 push the button sing sissy boy what are you in the piano boys choir man up prepubescent child where did you get that man card from John Eldridge's website <laughs> that's a caricature and we're seeing it but with the other gender aren't we Uh, what does a man look like sound like you go well you know sometimes a dude can bark especially if you're in the military you're with your buddies you're coaching a football team okay there's a range there but if you take just one aspect of how a man can behave and you magnify it by a thousand, then you know what you become? Dylan Mulvaney. Because that's what he does with women. Ooh, he should find that so offensive that he takes what he perceives to be a, an attribute of women, actually little girls, and just magnifies it to make it look so cartoonish. Zoink Scoob is that offensive. And if you are trying to figure out how to become a man, got to tell you, Dr. Greg Gifford's Transform podcast, killing it. Absolutely killing it. Biblical manhood. He's on lecture two this weekend, I think. Yeah, this Saturday we will be two. I, you know what? It is so good. I remember what last... I'm actually looking forward to it. Uh-huh. Getting to the gym. Rah! Throwing some iron around. That's and good. listening to Greg Gifford's <laughs> podcast on being a man, which doesn't include being gruff. You don't, you don't have to... Doesn't mean you can't. But that's not what makes a man. I mean, that might, in the right setting, be a manly expression. But that's not what it means to be a man. How do we get this right? Because you have to admit, because there are different cultural expressions, because there are ranges of appropriateness of typically male-like behavior, it, it, it can be a bit challenging. How do you nail it? I think the answer is twofold. One, your Bible must inform you. What does it mean to be a biblical man? To apply that rightly, number two, you need to be in the context of a local church. I got to tell you, this is why I do think it is a good thing. I, I, I think it can be done wrongly, but I do think it can be a good thing for guys to get together and women to get together. So that we can encourage one another, exhort one another, help one another. I see you behaving like this. You see me behaving like that. Yo, dude, got to tell you, been watching you with your kids on Sunday morning. You're barking, mate. Oh, I didn't know that I I was. I I guess I, I better tone it down a little bit. And you can do that helping one another. So please, if you've never committed to a local church, um, well, here's here's the conclusion. This is the, the resolution of the matter. If you are not a member of a local church, then you're not a biblical man. There you have it. Please call 1-877-282-BEEP like this kid's saying. Doesn't sound like this anymore, though. Hello, uh, Todd and Jimmy. Uh, my name is Walker, and I was in church today, and we were going over Matthew 14, verses 22 through 36. And when Jesus was walking on water, his disciples were scared, yeah. um, and they thought he was a ghost. And Jesus said, um, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. When he said, it is I, the uh, the Greek is ego, I, me, which 
means I am who I am or I am I am. It's a repeated word for emphasis. Sometimes it's translated as the I am, the tetragrammaton. Here, though, it is only translated as, as it is I. Now, my favorite theologian, my pastor, said that usually it's context that determines the tetragrammaton. And I was wondering what you guys think of this. Is this Jesus saying, it is me, Yahweh? Or is it just saying, it is me, Jesus, who you know? Uh, I'm going to tip with the former, although I would like to go dive into it. Because that is such a repeated theme, Jesus uses this mechanism, especially in the Gospel of John, but that doesn't mean that the other Gospel writers excluded his I am statements. So I think any time we see an illusion of ego I me, I think that we've got to say he's making a reference to being God. Now, there are times when it is more overt than other times, but not in the Greek when you read it in that, when you take a look at the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, fascinating because the word order is a little wonky because it ends with our English language is I am the good shepherd. But in the Greek language, it's I am. In other words, I'm Yahweh. Another proof that Jesus Christ is actually God. So I'd have to dive into it. Jimmy, would you say it's an allusion to the I am of the Old Testament? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't I I don't know that we could say definitively, but I certainly wouldn't say that we'd exclude it. But well done, dude. And I really have to tell you, just just tickles tickles me pink that your favorite theologian is your pastor. Hey Todd, uh, just listen to your episode on uh, negative world towards Christianity we live in now. You know, I think the harder thing for Christians is not necessarily living in this negative world now and what what do we do? The issue, I think, is different today than it was in the past is those who claim Christ yet justify like the homosexual agenda or even justify abortion. And how do you how do we live with those folks? They claim Christ. They claim Christianity. And those folks make me a little angry. That's, I think, what's different today. Not necessarily the broader culture, but Christian culture itself in terms of those who would claim Christ, yet they are opposed to him. Yep, that's the category. The capitulators or the compromisers, those who give in on the issue or the compromisers in that they actually adhere to biblical sexuality or life, but they won't express it because they don't want to make anybody feel unsafe or triggered in any way, shape, or form and be deemed as being mean or ugly. I got to tell you something. If you call yourself a Christian, you're going to be deemed ugly. You, you won't find safe quarter in the Episcopalian denomination. They're not going to care. If this turns really ugly, none of us knows for sure. It certainly could. If it does, do you think that by saying, hold on, um, <laughs> we've got a female Bishop, it, it won't make any difference. There will be no quarter. Those that are in that territory, I think we need to approach them by putting the best construction on it, being Priscilla and Aquila. Not that, not that you can be both genders or exchange them, but, but you need to treat these people initially like Apollos. He understood the baptism of John, but he didn't understand the baptism, believer's baptism of Jesus Christ. So they educated him and he got with the program and he carried on. That's where we should start with these people. Excuse me. Where are you at on the life issue? Where are you at on the gender and sexuality? Why? Or why don't you speak up 
Why are you willing to be silent when people need to hear, they need to hear the truth? And you talk to them and you reason with them. Now, if they dig in or they start to reveal, well, you know, maybe the whole gay thing isn't that big of a deal. But then, then, then you can separate from them because they are denying something that is so clear and so obvious and persisting in a sinful theology, not an essential theology necessarily, but their persistence in willful denial of the Bible is perpetual sin. And, and we, we fellowshipping with those folks who are capitulating to that degree, denying something that is so obvious, endorsing sin. I always like to exchange one sin for another. If you met a Christian and they said, you know, personally, I'm opposed to rape, but never talk about it. You go, well, hold on a second. You're personally opposed to it, but you're, you're not going to try to protect those who are being abused. You're not going to try to speak out and be courageous, even if it costs you something. Well, what's well? I'm personally opposed to murder, bludgeoning small children. Um, you know, but you 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 you'd have. I think your sensibilities would be right if you said, "Ah, this is a problem," and I simply cannot be in fellowship with somebody who denies something so obvious. Hey, Mister, 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 Too Tall Todd, listen. I've got a question. I came out of the charismatic movement, and I've been doing a lot of gratuitous amounts of study on the uh, Google thing there, and I can't quite figure out what exactly does Acts nineteen six mean when it talks about and he laid on of hands and he began to speak with other tongues. Yeah. I know what it means in Acts chapter 2. I know what it means in 1 Corinthians. But what about Acts nineteen six? I can't figure that out. When Paul said they laid on of hands and began to speak with other tongues and started prophesying. Because yeah. the charismatics will use that as a defense yes. for their interpretation of speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? By the way, Jimmy really, really needs a raise. Oh, how did they get it? It means the same thing it means in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, and Acts chapter 10. This is a physical expression, something that we can look at and go, wow, God is moving amongst the Gentiles. The gospel is being preached to those who are not Jewish. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19. And please note, as you read through those, and you really should... Write down the order of events. This is crucial to, to determining, is this something that is normative? Because the events are always in different order in the four accounts, it is safe to conclude these were one-time historical events because the gospel was being brought to the Gentiles, not to be repeated today. Well, that'll give you something to talk about it, then. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.